thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, well, well done those people uh, who walked that far. You know, I, I, did, I did about 12 miles, not, not trying to blow my own trumpet, but you know. And if you look at the t-shirt, it's not that far, is it? about two foot maybe but uh, no well well done it is a real experience and I think in the heat yesterday that was a tough one so good job good job Um, for those of you who don't come regularly we we go through different series in our talks and we've been looking at the the beginnings of Samuel and, and, and what Samuel did in the Old Testament looking at character and how important character is so today we're going to look at our final bit Um, which is 1 Samuel 16, and uh, you've heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, yeah? Does anybody judge a book by its cover? I mean, literally, okay? You buy a book because you like what it looks like, yeah, okay? Um, But actually, how many of us admit that we do it regularly all the time anyway? Yeah? Yeah. We, We often... We'll look at the appearance, we'll make judgment calls all the time. It might be how someone behaves. It might be how somebody looks or speaks. You know, I'm really posh. (laughs) My mum likes to think she is. But uh, my mum, by the way, is here this morning. So for those of you who, for those of you who, I often say, I'm sorry, mum. I'm sorry, mum. Okay. And my dad's here as well. It's great to have them with us. And uh, they're here later on. But we make judgment calls all the time. The church and Christians sometimes get criticised for being judgmental, yeah? People often say, oh, they're very judgmental. But actually, every single place you go will be full of people who are exactly the same. The difference, hopefully, is that those of us who are in church want to try and be more like Jesus, okay? We want to change, not because we're better, but actually because he is better. So I hope we will be more willing to see people how God sees them. And how does God see people? He sees them as loved. So that includes all of you in this room this morning. God sees you as loved. Now, Joel, when he was little... Sorry, son, I always use you as examples, I do apologise. But when he was little, he used to use adjectives to describe people. When he was like, he was very talkative very early. And so, for example, he would say, oh, look at that green lady, because she was wearing green, okay? But there was one time, thankfully it was with Roz, he loved to greet people. He would talk with anybody and everybody. And one time, Roz went in a shop with him where there were three assistants, And Joel walked up to the first lady and went, hello, lady. And he walked up to the second lady and went, hello, lady. And he went to the third lady and he went, hello, big lady. (laughs) Now, I'm just really thankful that Ros was the one squirming on that day. Because actually, I don't quite know how she explained it. Oh, yes, she must be very tall, I, I think. I don't think that was the case. But even as children... 
That's a perfect example of how we look at the outside. We look at the outward appearance. And teens, you know, this young man here, I can't draw too much attention to him, but he, he scrubs up quite well, doesn't he? Okay. But he loves his appearance, don't he? He loves his appearance. And actually, you know, regularly tells me how good looking he is. And I say, well, I've got eyes. I'll make that call myself. But actually, teens and all of us probably become a little bit obsessed. You know I love you really, don't you? Become obsessed with appearance and, and have a sort of, they have a selection of pictures in their phone that are okay for social media. I know Chloe will uh, ask everybody to look at the picture before she sees it. She doesn't want anything going out there that actually makes it look really bad, you know. I don't like my hair being out of place and, and things like that. But today, I want us to recognise that God looks deeper. Okay, we sing a song quite often uh, that's the heart of worship, and it has these lines. It says, you search much deeper within than the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And that is God. God sees. And as we look at this last part of Samuel, the message is this. You are seen by God and you are provided for by God if you let him. That is what this passage talks about. So I'm going to read a few chunks from 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you haven't got a Bible, it doesn't matter. The verses will be behind me. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 4 say this. The Lord said to Samuel... How long will you mourn for Saul, that's the king, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Just got to rewind a little bit quickly. Before Christmas, we did a series called We Want a King, where Israel kept asking for a king, even though they were told, it's not going to do you any good. You don't need a king. They're going to actually cause you a problem. But Samuel, uh, the, the Israelites insisted on having a king, and so Samuel anointed Saul as king. And actually... Sure enough, that man chosen was Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2 says this, Kish had a son named Saul, listen to this description, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere <laughs> in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. So Saul was chosen to be king, and he was a handsome chap. He was a head taller than anybody else. So was he chosen by outward appearance? But we don't know, but it had all gone wrong. Saul was leading the people away from God, was distracting them from God, was being disobedient. So we start this chapter and it says Samuel was mourning, Samuel was sad, Samuel was grieving because Saul had got it all wrong. Saul had got it all wrong. So character means being sorry and doing something about it that makes things right. That's what we see here. But God says, don't stay stuck in the mistakes of the past. We need to move forwards. So sometimes we might stay stuck in our past and stuck in our mistakes. And we might sit in them and sit in them and talk about them and go over them. But God says, don't get stuck in the past. Samuel, it's time to move forwards. 
Don't keep grieving for the mistakes of the past. I've got a promise of a future that's better. That's what God says. He says that to Samuel. God says it to us today. Continue through his word. Don't get stuck in the mistakes of your past. I've got a promise of a better future. That is what he says to Samuel. He says, go to Jesse. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, the word chosen there is quite interesting. You might think it's not that interesting, Johnny. But it's translated in a few different ways in the Bible. The same word, the same Hebrew word can be translated as provided. So you could say, I have provided one of his sons to be king. That same word is used in Genesis when Abraham is told to take Isaac up the mountain. And Isaac says to his dad, dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Where is the lamb that we're going to sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins? Where is it? And Abraham says, don't worry, son, God has already provided, he's already chosen the lamb that's going to be sacrificed. It can also be translated as seen. So in other words, it can say here, it can say, go to Jesse, I have seen one of his sons that will be king. In the Abraham and Isaac story, it can say, don't worry, son, God has already seen the lamb that's got to be sacrificed. He's already seen what's got to happen. He knows what you've got to choose because he's at the beginning and the end. God sees the ram and God sees the one who will be king, but not just the one who will be king in that moment, the one who will be king eternally. God sees even in this moment, Jesus. He sees Jesus, but he also has provided Jesus as the way to be right, to the way to get right. God sees you and me. That can be a scary thought, can't it? It's not big brother is watching you, okay? God is not looking and going, oh, you've done that. He's not an angry father or a really, really cruel head teacher. God is a loving dad. He's the best dad. And it talks about the fact that he sees us That means he knows every little detail of your situation. He knows what you're going through. He knows what actually you need. And sometimes what we need or what we think we need maybe isn't what we really do need. So as we see at the beginning of this this chapter, God sees and provides a king. You know, who watched the coronation last weekend? Okay, quite a lot of us, okay? It featured a real mishmash of faiths. It featured a selection of music ranging from the Latin and Italian songs to more songs that I wouldn't understand in a million years. I particularly liked the one that was titled Tedium. I thought that was an appropriate title for that song. Oh, and he had the Champions League anthem, didn't he? Prince Charles, as as he sat down. That's more than Manchester United have heard this season and the last season and the season before. Anyway, let's not get into football. People can get quite excited, can't they, about the royal family? Yeah? Get really excited. My mother-in-law was camped out in our lounge two days before it started, so she got a position on the chair. That's right, wasn't it, Carol? Yeah, yeah, ready. She had Union Jacks up all over the place, flags waving. Even the dogs had to sit and be quiet. But, you know, there's people who are passionate on one scale... But then you've got the other people who are passionate on another scale, who are trying to protest, who are trying to disrupt. But having watched that coronation last week, the message that I thought of was, whoever sits on the throne of England 
isn't really as important as the one who sits on the throne in our hearts. The one who sits on the throne of our country isn't as important as the one who reigns in our life. The one who we say, God, I can't do it without you. The one who we say, God, I'm going to clear out a space for you to sit and be enthroned. So Samuel heads off to the house of Jesse where God has promised that he's seen a new king in his family. Samuel's a little scared as there's already a king in place and he might get quite angry. He's shown a reputation, has Saul for being angry. And Samuel says, he might kill me. But God says, go and do it as a sacrifice and invite people. Do it in my name and you'll be okay. So here we jump to 1 Samuel 16. No, we don't jump yet. 1 Samuel 16 verses 5 to 7 says this. Samuel says to the people of, of where Jesse lives, Yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived... Samuel saw Eliab, that's one of the first one of Jesse's sons, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him as king. Not rejected him, rejected him as king. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I have spoken on this passage before, I think at the old building, and I remembered an old children's Sunday school song that said these words, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart, okay? So I'm going to do that with you so that all this week, you can't get that out of your head. <laughs> so are you ready? So it's, it's man looks at the outside, but God looks on the heart. Now everybody, or I'll keep you behind... Okay, the teacher in me will come out and we will have corporate confession, okay. Are you ready? So, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Ian, you're not clapping, come on. Man looks on the, oh, you're, oh okay, you're holding hands. Are you clapping together? Oh, okay. That got a bigger R than Peter walking in the rain. Ready? Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. I could go home now, and that's all you need to know. We look at the outside, but God looks on the heart. It's like a Pavlovian response. I just want um, to get up a couple of people. James, will you come? Is that right? I know it's, I'm, I'm going to be cruel because he's walked the Keswick to Barra. Come on, James. Come on. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, who can't say shoes? Jake, come on. Look at this. Look at this. Come on. Jake, come on. Um, let's see. Uh, Naomi, come on. I'm being cruel. Um, uh, I'm trying to pick people who it's not too hard to get from. This is Odin, by the way. Odin's dancing in the worship is something to behold, just got to say. Okay, and um, we'll have one more. Um, who've got? I need another girl, don't I? Come on there. Come on, Ross, you can come up. Yeah, come on. Come on, you've not walked, Keswick to Barra. You can walk up, it's fine. Come on, you may as well get your money's worth out of this dress that you've bought. It's now. Your mum bought it from the charity shop. There we go. You may as well get your mum's money's worth out of that dress. Very good. What a bargain. Right. This is a bit like the scene. This is very quickly. Samuel goes to choose somebody to be king. The first person he sees is this tall, handsome chap. Um, 
So I've chosen Naomi as a small, handsome girl. <laughs> and Samuel comes and goes, surely this is the one. Look at him, or look at her in this case. Look at them, look at the, look at the, the height on them. Look at the, the, the smile, you know? The one thing we first noticed about Naomi was the smile. You know, even though she's going out with Joel and getting married to Joel, she's still smiling. It's amazing, you know? Even yesterday when she was struggling on the walk, she just never stops. So Samuel comes along and says, surely this is the one you've chosen, God. And God goes, no, not that one. So you can sit down. So, comes to the next one, thinks, well, you know, it's not quite a patch on the last one. But, but you know, he's hard working. Hard work, he's got skills. He's got, he's got skills. He's got some skills. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. He's now, he, do you know, Jake rode his motorbike for the first time this week. Uh, and it broke down. I think that's a sign. For those of you who don't know, Jake had a very serious motorbike accident back in November. I think breaking down is a sign, Jake. Just saying. Just anyway, a just a British bike owner. Anyway, so he looks at Jake and he goes, well, you know, this guy's got the skills. This guy could make an amazing... Look, just look, yo. He might not be as good to look at as the last one, but, but you know, look at him. He's just, he's just amazing. He's just amazing. And God says to Samuel, no, it's not that one. Not that one. Go away. I'll leave you. Then he comes to the next one. He goes, whoa, whoa. No, sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> I apologise. It's my wife. It's okay. All right, it's okay. And he comes to the next one. He goes, well, look at this one. This one's pretty. Look at the, the immaculately dressed. Amazing. You know, they will make an amazing king. Just think of those robes, those ermine robes and everything else. They should, you know, she looks so good. At, um, what are you doing? <laughs> sorry? Secret? You don't have secrets. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. But Samuel comes and says, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's this one. Surely it's this one. Dressed up to the nines, looking perfect. And God goes, no, it's not that one. <laughs> and this, this carries on. I'll tell you what, I, should, I would make you go and walk over there again, but that would be really cool. <laughs> this carries on through the seven sons that Jesse has brought forward. And then... It says this, verses 10 to 13. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. The Lord has not seen these. The Lord has not seen these as the king. The Lord has not provided these as the king. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel says, send for him, we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. I do quite like that bit when it's talking about man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And it still says that David was handsome, but it's like, whoever wrote it's like, come on, have you not even got the message? So they send for the smallest. In the message version, it says, yeah, there's the runt of the family. <laughs> I didn't say it. There's the runt of the family, but he's out looking after the sheep. And looking after the sheep was the worst job. Worse than doing the dishwasher. It was the worst job. People were looked down on. People were looked down on who looked after the sheep. It was a dangerous place to be. It was almost as if Jesse didn't really care about David. 
Now this morning, I said to, James said to me, he sent me a message, that's why I've chosen you, he sent me a message saying, can you give me a lift home after church? I don't think I'll make the walk to, to Walney. I said, well, Chloe's getting married, so do you want to stay and watch me? He went, oh, he said, I'll be wearing a onesie and slippers. It's not really wedding attire. I said, it's not about what you're wearing. So De- James here was like, I don't know if I want to. David was out in the field, and Jesse's like, he's not important. He's not big enough. He's only a boy. He's probably only about 12 at this time. It's not going to be him. It's going to be one of those smiley ones or one of those skilled ones or one of those well-dressed ones or one of those macho ones. But God says, no. When they bring David in, they said, that's the one. He's the one I've seen. He's the one I've provided. He's the one I've chosen. So God says to Samuel, anoint him. He's going to be the king. You can sit down, James. Thank you. (laughs) That passage finishes with this. It says, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. One little thing that I've not written in my notes, this is always dangerous. If you look back through the Bible, there's always a consistency of it pointing forwards. In the beginning, we see this couple who end up shameful in front of God. They'd spent a time with connection with God and we were created to be connected to God. And all of a sudden, you get these two people who realise they're naked and they hide. They don't want to be seen by God. They don't want to be seen, and they think they can hide. You know, God sees us even if we think we can hide. Not because he wants to pick on us, but he wants to love us. But then we go back to the first king that's anointed, and Saul can't be found when it comes time to be anointed because he's hiding in the baggage. He doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want to be the one provided. And yet here we see David who is described as a man after God's own heart later on. And he walks forward. Do you want me? And God says, that's the one I've seen. A man after God's own heart, the one that God recognizes, loves him. David wasn't perfect, far from it. David has his ups and downs. But God says, that's the one I've seen. And in David, there's no shame. The very next chapter, he's the one, while the Israelites are scared, he's the one who's willing to fight and say, God's on our side. He's not ashamed because he knows God will provide. Three points to finish. They're not very long ones. Firstly, God sees and values the small and the seemingly insignificant. If you think you're insignificant and unimportant, if you think nobody sees you, God does. The Bible is full of things like faith as small as a mustard seed. Mustard seed is tiny, but it'll move mountains. Jesus said it'll grow into something that'll provide. Something so small. A small packed lunch fed thousands of people. Something seemingly insignificant. Something seemingly small and not important. God used for his glory. And here we see a small shepherd boy. 12 years old, and God said, he's not insignificant. You might have pushed him out into the field, but actually I'm saying, I see him. I chose him. I've provided him to be the king. He's the one. 
Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it's talking about this story in the Bible. It says, after removing Saul, Samuel made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, I have found David, I have seen David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. What's a man after God's own heart? Somebody who's willing to do what God wants them to do. Somebody who's willing to go where God says, to do what God says, and to be obedient to what God says. David is described as that man. He loved God. No, it's okay. He served God. He worshipped God. Even before this point, he worshipped God. And God saw him and provided for him and provided him as king. Second point, God asks us to do things and he gives us the ability to do them. God will not ask you to do something that either you can't do or he won't help you to do. You know, prayer is amazing. I want to share something, because I think it's, it's all right to share about Dave, isn't it? About a week and a half, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago in our prayer network, we had to put out a message because Anita, who does our cooking for our Walney meals on a Saturday night, they had to stop the Saturday night meals because Anita had to go down to Preston. Her husband had been going to the doctors with a problem. They'd missed it, they'd missed it. And then eventually he was rushed to Preston where on admission he was told he would need an operation. There was no pulse in his groin area and the likelihood was he was going to have to lose both legs. So they said, will you pray? So we put it out on our prayer network. He's a diabetic, so that's part of the reason. And we were expecting him to come out with no legs. The week later, I said to Anita, how's he doing? She said, oh, uh, they've done one of the operations. He's now got gangrene. It's not looking good. By Tuesday, Wednesday, we had a report saying he's going home. He's had one operation. He's not so much as lost a toe. Wow. 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 Now, all we did as a church was pray. And you might say, well, that's great in that circumstance. You know, Anita knows Jesus. She knows God. Dave doesn't. So actually, what encouragement to him is that to think about it when he goes, a whole church have been praying that God's will will be done and that there will be healing. That's amazing. God asks and gives us the ability to carry out. The moment David is anointed... The Holy Spirit fills him powerfully. He's just a teenager, yet he's empowered by God. Why? Because God sees him and provides what he needs. God sees you and will provide what you need if you let him. He's anointed with oil. We saw Charles have this done last week, didn't we, from a little golden bird using oil from Israel. Well, just a quick aside... Messiah, you've heard the word Messiah? Jesus was called the Messiah. Messiah literally means anointed one, God's anointed one. So David in this moment becomes a a look towards Jesus because he becomes God's anointed one. Because he becomes the king who's a man after God's own heart. He becomes the king who is willing to serve and he's willing to do what God asks him to do. David becomes that that king that was to come And Jesus was promised from David's line. One of the prophecies of Jesus was that he would come from David's line, and he was. 
So David was the anointed one. Jesus was God's eternally anointed one. And he is king, not just of one place, but king of kings and lord of lords. Third and final point. God will never be in a hurry for us. He's not in a hurry. He's never going to be in a hurry. David here is anointed to become God's chosen king, but he has to wait. How many of us like waiting? We talk about this quite often because through the Bible, it regularly comes up. We live in a society of instant gratification of, I need it, I'm going to have it now. I'm going to put it on credit. I'm going to put it on finance. I'm going to put it on my card. I'm going to get it now because it's going to, it's going to make me happy. It's going to satisfy me. It's going to please me. It's going to, make me, it's going to give me everything I need. David here is anointed to become God's chosen king, but he has to wait. He has to actually serve the current king. Then he actually has to go on the run for fear of his life because of the current king. He has opportunity for revenge against the current king and to see him off, but he doesn't take it because he says, no, that's not what God would do. In the waiting, God develops character. Think about Samuel in that temple when it started this series. God developed his character. Here, David has his character developed in the waiting. And I want to finish by asking this. Maybe God is using our situations at the moment to develop something in our characters. Maybe God is waiting. God is asking us to wait and be patient. It's, it can be an awful situation. But maybe God is saying, just see. I see you. I see your situation. I've provided what you need. But in this waiting, what, what is God trying to do to shape who we are? Will it be in perseverance our faith grows. So this morning as I finish, if we're waiting, then ask this, God, what are you wanting to change in my character? God, what are you wanting to see develop? Or God, what are you teaching me? So we finished this book of Samuel, we finished the story of Samuel, the book's a lot longer. <laughs> and I want to ask this to finish. The character counts is the fact that it's not what's on the outside that really matters. You can look great on the outside. You can have all the hair in the world on your head. <laughs> but actually, it's who you are. And God sees who you are, and he says, let me provide for you. Because he's already provided it. Sometimes we just have to open the door. God sees our outward appearance, but he's not interested in what we look like, whether we've got beautiful blue eyes. I can remember a quick story. Was it Amy Carmichael? Amy Carmichael uh, was born with brown eyes, and she was de devastated. She wanted blue eyes. That's right, isn't it? Is it a, go on. Move your way around. She had blue eyes, and she wanted brown eyes. Was it? She had brown eyes, yeah, because, but she desperately wanted blue eyes. And for, sorry, 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 everybody, I apologize. <laughs> this isn't a story I was going to tell, I just thought it was important. I wish now I'd never started it, but anyway. She had brown eyes and was, was desperately unhappy because she wanted blue eyes. And in the end, she ended up going to be a missionary overseas. And actually, if she'd have had the blue eyes, she'd have stood out and probably been a target 
Whereas actually having the brown owls helped her to settle in, to become involved and to spread the love of Jesus. So sometimes we might be desperately unhappy. Maybe we need to say, God, what are you teaching me? God, what can I learn from it? Maybe, God, how can I help somebody else do this? But the most important thing about Samuel is this. Number one, nothing is insignificant to God and nobody is insignificant to God. Number two, God will empower you to do what he's asked you to do. And number three, don't worry about the timing, but say, God, what am I learning in the waiting? This morning, if you don't know Jesus, there's a few cards at the back that have got some X's and crosses and, and hearts on. They explain it simply. But Samuel was a, a man whose character counted. Why? Because he loved God. David was a man whose character counted. Why? Because he followed God and loved God and did what he was told and was obedient to God. How about us? Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, I thank you that we can enjoy looking at your word, and I thank you that we can learn from it. And Father, I pray, Lord, that each if there's people in this room today who think they are unimportant or insignificant, I pray, Lord, that they will know that you see them you see them and you provide for them and you love them. Father God, I pray this morning for anybody who just feels that they are stuck waiting for, for a promise or stuck waiting in a situation that's really difficult. Father God, I pray, Lord, that they will come to you and say, God, what, what do you want me to change? And Father God, I pray for anyone in this place this morning who who doesn't know the, the forgiveness of the past, that the fact that they don't need to stay stuck grieving for the mistakes of the past, but they can step into a future of hope. I pray, Lord, this morning that they won't hesitate to say, God, what do I need to do? So I pray this morning, as we come towards uh, taking bread and, and the juice to remember Jesus, help us to recognise the importance of those two simple things that God so loved the world that he gave his son to save us, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for your promises and we pray that you will continue to empower us, fill us afresh to serve you more. In Jesus' name, amen.